Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Another week, another dollar. A lot of things have occurred, uh, most involving Trump. This man dominates our, our media. He dominates the t- TV set. He dominates the radio, the newspapers, the magazines. There are other things happening in this world, though, and we don't get to hear them. We don't get to talk about them. More importantly, we do not get to consider them and their impact on our lives. So again this week, I'm going to spend the first part of the show, maybe half, maybe a little bit more than half the show, talking about things which I believe are important, but we don't get to discuss because Donald Trump has taken over. So I'm going to start with something very simple, the weather, and I'm going to talk about the weather in Key West. I share with you our weather. It has been diabolical for two weeks. We have had, with the exception of one day, nothing but pouring rain. I'm talking about the kind of rain that comes with a hurricane or a monsoon. So heavy you would not believe. It's like a wall, the rain, when it comes down. And it's been steady most days, all day. Now, this is very uncommon. This is this month, May, is the dry season for us. In May, we are normally complaining at this point in the month, we need some rain. It's too dry out there. You know, things aren't growing properly. Things are getting burned. Uh, the soil is dust. Seriously, we don't have a rainy season until late July. But this year, for some reason, and I understand it's this way over much of the Northeast, we have a lot of rain. want to move on now to the royal wedding last weekend, uh, this past weekend. Uh, I was impressed, not because of the grandeur and everything else. I was impressed because you had a white man in Prince Harry, and you had a woman of color in Meghan Markle, and she is now the Duchess of Sussex. I mean, she married. She married British royalty, and that's big time. That's cons- conservatism <laughs> to the nth degree when you're talking about uh, English royalty. And it interested me when look at the, what happened. <clears throat> Excuse me, the cathedral or whatever it's called was full. Westminster was full of both black and white people. Half the congregation was black. Half the congregation was white. Half of the service was, were by black singers and black choirs. Half were by white. Uh, half the ministers were black. Half the ministers were white. It, it was a, an acknowledgment, an acknowledgment that these two races had come together for this event also, and it was being done with pride. This had to be very difficult for the Queen Mother, Queen Elizabeth. Uh, she did not do well when Diana died, as we all realize, and she had to come a long way to acknowledge and accept this because nothing went on in that church without her approval. I thought it was great. I, You know, this is two, two races coming together. Many people don't realize Better than half the people in this country today are people of color. They're tan, not black. They're tan. Uh, and it's said that by the year 2050, uh, that ha- more than half, 
considerably more than half our population is going to be tan. We won't have this problem with blacks and white anymore, this racism that we can't seem to get off our backs in this country. Now, that was all well and good. What was terrible was when I went out that evening and the next evening, I and I was shamed to hear what I heard. How many people said, isn't that disgusting? Isn't that terrible? You know, that black woman, that, that colored woman, she's marrying into royalty? What's going on? I, I, I was shocked. There were that number, that many, talking in, speaking in that bigoted fashion. Uh, so we're not even close in this country. Uh, but what happened there in England uh, last week, that's going to bring us closer. And we ought to be ashamed of ourselves that we still think like this. Because I'm telling you, my friends, it won't happen in my lifetime. I'm 82. I'm not going to be here in 2050. But by that time, everybody's going to be tan, okay? And everybody's going to be kumbaya with each other. want to move on to something that it just moved me. <laughs> it brought back memories. Uh, I, I was going through some things on the Internet the other day, and I came across an email. And the email said this. I'm talking now about pot smoke and tobacco smoke. And it said, pot smoke created by God and good for us. I repeat, pot smoke created by God and good for us. Tobacco smoke created by Satan and will kill us. Uh, that brought me back to my days in high school. I was in high school from 1949 to 1953, a long time ago. And in those days, there were, we didn't know what the hell pot was. We didn't know what marijuana was. We wanted to smoke cigarettes. We were, as young kids in high school, teenagers, were trying out cigarettes. Camels, Chesterfield, Palmel, Old Gold. They don't even have most of these brands today. And we'd sneak a smoke. And every now and then, I went to a Catholic high school. Sisters of Charity uh, taught us. And they were tough, these women, let me tell you. And if they caught you smoking, they did, they did everything but make you eat and swallow that cigarette. Uh, but they always said, when they'd catch us, the nuns would look at us and say, the cigarette is a dirty weed, and from it the devil doth proceed the cigarette is a dirty weed and from it the devil doth proceed and we had to repeat that every time they caught us say it they'd stick their finger in our face and say it and we'd say it it didn't stop us from smoking but they were trying to make a point and it's sort of like what i, I started this this topic with by saying pot smoke's created by god smoke created by god and it's good for us etc now it it tickled my curiosity where did this come from if someone put it in an email today, and in 1950, a nun is telling me, you know, that uh, smoking is the result of the devil, it's terrible, it's a dirty weed, there has to be some place it all began. So I did a little digging, and boy, it, it began, but way back when. It began, I'd say, ooh, just after our Revolutionary War. And the man who was responsible for it is Benjamin Waterhouse. Benjamin Waterhouse was born in 1754, died in 1846. Uh, Benjamin became a doctor. 
He went to England to study medicine, and then he came back here to practice. He wasn't old enough uh, to be a surgeon in the uh, War for Freedom, the Revolutionary War. However, he did participate, and he was in the War of 1812 against Great Britain. Again, he's a physician. Now, what, what was his mark to fame? Uh, well, first, let me tell you, he came up with the ditty about tobacco is a dirty weed, etc. And here's what he wrote. Tobacco is a filthy weed that from the devil does proceed. It drains your purse, it burns your clothes, and makes a chimney of your nose. I think that's cool, and that's funny. Well, he became a well-known physician. His distinction is twofold. He was one of the three co-founders of the Harvard Medical School. Yes, he was one of the three co-founders of the Harvard Medical School. The other was uh, was that uh, smallpox was a big thing. People were dying all over the world from smallpox in those days. And a smallpox vaccine had been discovered in Europe, and it came over to this country, and no American doctor would give it to any patient. No American doctor would try it. They were afraid that the people would be infected. They inoculated would be infected with smallpox. Waterhouse was so convinced that this was the right thing and this would be helpful to people that he vaccinated himself and his family, his wife and his several children, with the vaccine to prove they would not, and people would not, come down with smallpox because they were inoculated with the serum. So those are his two claims to fame. I want to talk about penis facials, P-E-N-I-S, the male member, penis facials. Uh, there's a reason why I talk about everything, you notice, and there's going to point, be a point to be made here, too, with the penis facial. It's a new product, okay? And uh, a serum is derived, okay, that goes into making a salve or some kind of a soft solution that women put on their faces, and it makes their faces glow like a baby. And how is this come, or how is this derived, how is this made? The process, the serum in the process is derived from the foreskin, Korean newborn babies, the foreskin of Korean newborn babies. This is the newest fad. It's gained in popular. it's gaining, I won't say gained yet, it's gaining in popularity big time. Two big movie stars, Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock, are singing its praises. They're not selling it. They're saying, look at me, look how, how shiny my face is, how smooth my skin is. Bullock was on the was it, uh, Ellen DeGeneres show, and she says, look, fr from the foreskin of a Korean baby, look what it's done to my face, and it's only a matter of four to six weeks. And DeGeneres, and I'm not knocking Bullock, but Ellen DeGeneres says, but that comes from a baby. That comes from a part of a baby. And she's right. However, this, this thing to go on a woman's face is gaining in popularity. So we need more and more foreskins. Now, you get these by circumcision. And I, I, I've got to believe there are not, in the final analysis, going to be enough newborn Korean baby boys to provide the foreskins required to make the serum. All right? So let's talk about circumcision, because this is the way the foreskin is obtained. 
Circumcision, believe it or not, is not a necessary medical procedure. The only place that does it big time is the United States. Uh, most other countries don't bother with it, uh, except for centuries the Jewish people of faith have. Because you look back, think back, centuries ago, I mean, they're living in the desert, they're living in dirty places and poverty. Uh, the best place to get infection is for, for a male, uh, you don't have to be a baby, you can be a male man, is underneath the foreskin. So to avoid this problem, they circumcised the baby boys within days of birth. But other than that, we do it here today, but the rest of the world rarely pays attention to it, okay? Now, I learned a couple of things in going through my research on this. It was introduced, circumcision was introduced in English-speaking countries in the late 1800s. And why was it introduced? Not to prevent disease, but to control or prevent masturbation. How absolutely disgusting. To control or prevent masturbation. A young boy's joy and a young lady's joy. A natural, natural thing. So, now, and my readings indicated that circumcision of the male, baby, is comparable to female circumcision, where they remove the clitoris and the labia. We know today in many African nations and in many Middle Eastern countries, this is still done as part of their tradition. Women have the labia cut off, they have their clitorises removed, and why is this done? It's to control their sexuality. So, they don't masturbate. Ladies masturbate, too. We all know this. Uh, now comes anesthesia. Uh, if you're a baby boy here in the United States and your parents opt to have you circumcised, and most do, uh, the baby's not given anesthesia. Baby's three, four days old. And I have always assumed anesthesia wasn't given to the baby because the baby could feel no pain there. The nerves were not yet sufficiently developed so the baby had pain. Bullshit. That baby hurts as much as an adult would if the adult had circumcision. The reason anesthesia is not given is because there is a danger that the anesthesia will somehow interact with the other things in the baby and be detrimental to the baby's health immediately, could kill the baby. All right? So those are the two stories there. Now, what are we going to do? Uh, women like this stuff? Going to be a big deal? Perhaps. Because if you can give a 50-year-old woman baby skin, you know, as smooth as a baby's ass, we've heard that term, Within four to six weeks, I mean, Sandra Bullock said on the show, look, look at my face. Look how, how it grows. Grows was the term she used. Uh, going to need more baby boys. And they're going to have to go outside of Korea because there can't be enough babies there to solve what's going to be required to produce this product in, on a massive scale. So now my concern is we're going to start, because I said circumcision is only big in this country, really. We're going to start circumcising babies that normally would not be circumcised in order to make money. It's like selling organs. 
a, a, a kidney today goes for about $150,000 in the illegal or, organ sale market. Circumcise the baby's little flesh there isn't going to go for 150000 but there's going to become a market in it. And so now we're going to have circumcisions that should not be. And I would say to the women, and I'm not saying this offensively, but it makes I think I'm going to make a point here, or at least I hope I do, uh, if the women want this product because it helps their appearance, and I'm not saying they do because many most don't even know about it yet. It's, it's the coming thing. It's here, but it hasn't exploded. Uh, suppose a man. Let's take a man of 50 years of age. We get wrinkled. I'm 82. I know wrinkles at 82. I mean, my, my flesh under my, my chin hangs. Uh, my eyes, the, the, you know, the, uh, the skin underneath, I've got heavy bags. That's what comes with age. But suppose, just suppose, we could cure my problem, the problem of all men, getting rid of those, those, the, that hanging flesh by using a serum taken from the labia, the labia of women, of young females. Well, now, we're going to circumcise young females just to get this to help the men. And the first thing you're going to say and the first thing you're going to think, how repulsive. I'm not even saying take the clitoris off. Take the labia off. Let's assume it can be done that way. Well, you, oh, my God. The women are going to say, too, oh, my God, how can you do that? That's disgusting. And that's what Lewis says. It's disgusting to do it to the young baby male baby in order to get his foreskin so he can make a product that's going to make a woman's skin smoother, glowing, more beautiful. Which now brings me to, I'm going to, you notice I'm staying away from Trump. I don't even know if I'm going to get into Trump tonight uh, because these are things we should think about. These are things we should talk about. Some of them are right now. Some of them are coming, but we should be aware. I want to talk about 1940, okay? I want to talk about war, 1940. Germany, Hitler, invaded Holland and Belgium this month in 1940. Now, where am I going with this? Where I want to go is to show you how you have to be prepared for war. Donald Rumsfeld. Donald Rumsfeld was Secretary of Defense under Bush II from 2001 to 2006. He was the Secretary of Defense when we went into Iraq. We were not prepared to go to Iraq. The decision was made we're going to go to war with Iraq, and we weren't ready. Uh, you got to get ready. If you don't get ready, it takes a little longer, more people get killed. We won the war, but it took a little longer, and people, more people got killed than should have. Rumsfeld is famous for this quotation. You go to war with the army you have, not the army you might want or wish to have at a later time. You go to war with the army you have, not the army you might want or wish to have at a later time. Well, Hitler wasn't like that. He bid his time, okay? And let's go to this month in 1940 as Germany uh, invades Holland and Belgium. The Prime Minister of England, uh, the British Prime Minister was Neville Chamberlain. He resigned. Remember him? He came back from Munich. He got off the plane. He held up a piece of paper that Hitler had signed. And he said, peace in our lifetime. Did he get conned by Hitler? Because we were, England was into a war within 
a very short time. Just like I believe Donald Trump's going to get conned by <laughs> Kim Jong-un. And I noticed today on the news, uh, the president, Trump, said, we may not have this meeting now. We have, may have to move it on. I'm going to get into this a little more later on if I get into Trump. But what, what I'm trying uh, to say is I don't want Trump to sit down with this guy. This guy's smarter than Trump. I think most international politicians are, are government leaders. We just have a blowhard for president who's got us in the deeper and deeper and more and more into trouble. Putting that aside, Winston Churchill replaced Neville Chamberlain as prime minister. Now, I told you we weren't ready when Rumsfeld and Bush too brought us into Iraq. Here's how Hitler did it when he invaded Holland and Belgium in 1940. He used 136 German divisions on the ground. 136 German divisions on the ground. 2,500 aircraft bombing Belgium, Holland, and he also bombed at the same time France and Luxembourg to make sure they didn't come to the assistance or were discouraged from coming to the assistance of Belgium and Holland. And he also had 16,000 German airborne troops parachute and 16,000 parachute into Holland and Belgium. That's getting ready for war. And he was successful initially in these endeavors. And that's what you've got to do. Our country today is behind with regard to the development of our military power, our equipment, our armies, guns, planes, ships, everything. We just haven't put the money into it in the last 10 to 20 years. In the meantime, China's done terrific in the last five or six years. They're moving ahead of us big time when it comes to military preparedness. Uh, Russia, you don't have to worry about. Uh, Russia's got nuclear weapons. Other than that, Russia is not a military power. Putin didn't have the money to do it, and he didn't do it. Putin is a lot like Trump. Big mouth bravado. But he's got nuclear weapons. Uh, but we need more. And in this regard, I have to give Donald Trump credit. He is spending the money. He is having the money authorized to inc to prepare us better in the event there is a war. And I worry because this guy may drag us into a war. But whether we're in a war or not, we've got to be prepared all the time, 100%. Uh, because Mike keeps everyone away from you. Everyone's afraid of you if they know you've got everything to hit them with, and they can't win. I also want to talk, going back to the wars, uh, World War II, and even the Depression. Eloquence, political eloquence. Don't you enjoy this tonight? This is a different, I'm going at a different pace. I think there are things like this we got to talk about. Eloquence. Political leaders, governmental leaders, who, when they speak, inspire us, uh, make us want to do something. You know they're right, these people, when they speak. Uh, there's no questioning this way or that way. They're saying it the way it is, and we've got to follow them up the mountain. And two examples. Winston Churchill, when he became prime minister, he said, and I quote, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. He also said, victory, victory at all costs, victory in spite of terror, victory however long and hard the road may be, victory however long and hard the road may be. We don't hear this 
from our political leaders today. I'm not just talking about Donald Trump. Trump says, my, you know, my, my button is bigger than yours. Uh, I wrote about this in, in my blog this week in some regard. Uh, no, I wrote about this in the column that comes out tomorrow in Cop Life, where I was talking about who has the uh, power to declare war in this country and how uh, since the Korean War, uh, the power which in the Constitution says Congress shall have the power to declare war has been usurped by the presidency, and nobody does anything about it to get it back. Uh, now, why am I telling you this, the power to declare war? Uh, Lewis, I forgot where I was going. That's the way it is. Uh, power to declare war. I can't remember the point I wanted to make, but that happens. What can I tell you? In any event, we don't have people who talk the way they should. Let me tell you about FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. When he took office in 1933, the Great Depression was at its height. We were on our knees economically. 2008 looked sick compared to the Great Depression. And he said in his inaugural speech, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And then, December 7th, Pearl Harbor. The very next day, December 8th, Roosevelt went before Congress, and he asked Congress to declare war because the Constitution says Congress declares war. Only Congress declares war. And he said to Congress, going to the eloquency factor here, Regarding December 7th, and I quote, a date which will live in infamy, a date which will live in infamy, and it has. Which now brings me to, we don't raise our young people right today. Something's lacking. It's called respect. It's called discipline. And why are our kids coming up? And I'm going to give you a prime example in a minute, my friends. And they're saying things that they shouldn't say. And I'm not talking about high school kids. Now I'm talking about young men, uh, men of prominent families. Uh, and I say that they say stupid things and do stupid things like the Trump children because they see what their fathers do or did. The fruit does not fall far from the tree is very true. The fruit does not fall far from the tree. What am I talking about right now? I'm talking about Benjamin Netanyahu's son, the prime minister of Israel. His oldest son is Yar, Y-A-I-R. Now, Israel isn't getting along with very many countries these days, okay? Uh, And I think that's because Netanyahu and Trump, they're two of a kind, and like we're losing all our friends, they lost all their friends already uh, in Israel. They're having trouble with Turkey, big time. Now, Turkey is a country to be respected also, as is Israel. But, but, Yar, son of the prime minister of Israel, and he's, he's in his late 20s, I believe. Uh, he had a little thing made up, a, a copy of the Turkish flag, which is like blood red. And he had the verbiage in the middle of it reworded to say, fuck Turkey. You heard me. The Turkish flag remade it to say, fuck Turkey, and then he ran it on Instagram. Something's wrong. 
these kids are learning wrong. These are kids. He's, you know, he's the son of a big man, as are Trump's children, and most of our children today. They're they're not the cut. They they're they're just not coming up the way they should. Respect is lacking, and that's very important. You cannot have good relationships with anyone unless you respect them. They are not going to respect you unless you respect them. I'm not getting to Trump tonight, I can tell you right now. My time's I only got about a minute and a half left. But I want to say this. Uh, we're, we're refusing right now to recognize Venezuela's election results. Maduro just won an election. They say it was a sham, it was fixed, uh, et cetera. And uh, Trump said he's applying severe sanctions to, to Venezuela because their uh, election was a sham. I mean, he doesn't like these kind of elections. Uh, well, I got to tell you something. It was only several months ago he said he was going to declare war in Venezuela because the people were poor. He wasn't feeding them properly. For real, you remember. All I want to know is this. We have many despots, many tyrants around the world who have phony elections, and one place is Russia. Putin puts them in jail or has them killed. Why doesn't he have imposed more severe sanctions on Russia? He doesn't. He picks and he chooses. That's the show for this week. The show is archived. I know many of you listen to it during the week, not tonight. I'm glad you do listen to it. Uh, every week, more and more listeners. I love the numbers, and I thank you for joining me. Uh, keep joining me, please. My book, Ermin Me, is still out there. Please order it. You'll, you'll enjoy learning about hurricanes before, during, and after, how it affects you personally. Other than that, I thank you again for joining me. I look forward to being with you again next week.